470. 470. Far away in the depths of my spirit tonight rolls a melody sweeter than song. In celestial like strains it unceasingly falls o'er my soul like an infinite calm. Peace, peace. Wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. Verse 3, I am resting tonight in this wonderful peace. Resting sweetly in Jesus' control. For I'm kept from all danger by night and by day. And His glory is flooding my soul. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above, sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. <coughs> oh soul, are you here without comfort or rest? Marching down the rough pathway of time. May Jesus, your friend, ere the shadows grow dark. Oh, accept this sweet peace so sublime. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above, sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. All right, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, I knew I wore this tie for a reason, just spilled water all down it, so. 1 <laughs> Peter chapter 1, we started a little study in 1 Peter uh, back when uh, we were not having uh, Wednesday night uh, prayer meeting time and uh, uh, started this, uh, this study here, particularly in chapter 1, and we'll go on through the whole book, uh, but uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, we've been looking at a number of areas of hope 
And tonight we want to look at hope and wonder. We've considered much in the past few weeks. We've discussed the gracious salvation we are afforded in Christ and the hope we have in Him, uh, even in the most difficult and trying circumstances. Now, we also considered the life we are expected to live before others, even when it seems no one else cares or no one else is interested in the ways of God. And maintaining our faith and ability to persevere through adversity is difficult, even for us who are mature believers. Peter understood that, having fallen victim to doubt and despair himself. Uh, he thought, sought to equip and encourage the church that he was addressing there to press on faithfully for the Lord, regardless of the circumstances. Now this will be much easier if we keep our focus on the Lord. And that's certainly something we need to be doing uh, and continue to do. And we need to be continually reminded of what we have in Him. And having admonished this church to carry out a difficult task, Peter again offers comfort and reassurance. And again, he takes the believer back to their conversion. I think that's a, a, the thing that we need to keep in mind uh, as uh, difficult days uh, are around us. Just keep thinking back, you know, that day we got saved. What a wonderful that day that was, and what a wonderful thing it is to have the assurance of our salvation, no matter how difficult things get around us. And so these verses deal with the wonder of salvation and the great provision we have in Christ. And so we're uh, concluding the first chapter here, and I want to just talk about some aspects of our salvation. We consider hope and wonder. Hope and wonder. Uh before we get into the lesson, I want us to just note a couple of words, these two words especially, hope and wonder, uh, they have a completely different meaning in today's conversation. Uh, people uh, use the word hope and they say, well, I hope it rains or I wish it would rain. Um, or I hope this or that happens. You know, uh, it's, it's like a wish, not really hope that it's going to happen, but it's a desire to see it happen and hoping it's going to happen. See, that's the way most people use that word today. You know, when it gets all dry and your lawn starts to burn up, you say, boy, I sure hope it rains tonight. Or like the little girl says, I wish, I wish, I wish, you know, and she's wishing something in her mind. Uh, that's what hope is used many times today. The other word is wonder. I wonder if that will happen. You know, I, we wonder. That means we don't really know for sure. We just kind of wonder in our minds if something's going to... It's kind of curiosity or it's, it's doubt. We, we don't know for sure, and we're even doubtful that it's going to happen. I wonder what will happen if I do this or that. I think my son used this 
many times. He wondered what would happen if he would do something, if he'd take his bicycle and jump off the side of a big hill or something. I wonder what will happen. Or if he built something out of scrap lumber, I wonder what will it'll look like. But here in our study, we will use the common Bible meaning of these two words. And hope is a certainty. It's not doubt. It's a surety. And wonder is an amazement or a marvel of our wonderful salvation. So I want us to notice the hope and wonder, the surety and amazement of our salvation. Notice, first of all, the purchase of our salvation. In chapter 1, we're down to verse 18 and 19. And here Peter discusses the purchase of salvation for humanity. And in this purchase, we discover, first of all, the payment. The payment. Verse 18, it says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Uh, he reminded the believers that he was addressing that even the, in the midst of difficulty, to remain aware of the payment that was made to purchase salvation. Uh, he speaks of the redemption of humanity in this verse. And due to the fall of Adam and sin, all uh, are born in sin and stand in need of salvation. And in order for reconciliation to be made, then a payment had to be made. Payment in order to resolve the debt of sin. Christ paid the debt we owed. Uh, we had no means of securing payment for our sin. And the word redeemed uh, speaks of a ransom paid to set someone free. That's exactly what Christ did for us. We were enslaved by sin, owing a debt we could never pay, and Christ paid our ransom. He redeemed us from sin by making the payment that would satisfy the debt we owe. Not only is there the payment, but there's the pardon. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers. And one of the things that was very common in that day was the slave market. Many of the believers were familiar with slavery and the price that was required to free someone from bondage. Silver and gold were often used as a means to set men free of bondage. And we need to consider the emphasis here also. Those who were redeemed from silver with silver and gold were redeemed from physical bondage. But our redemption in Christ is different. The payment was not with silver or gold. The redemption exceeds this life. We're set free from the bondage of sin in this life and the life to come. Our redemption from sin in Christ doesn't end at death. When we receive Christ by faith and salvation, we are eternally pardoned from sin. He fully satisfied the debt of sin. Those who are in Christ have their debt paid in full. It will never be remembered again. It will never be, will never be enslaved to the bondage of sin and death again. But then there's the price. It says in verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
The price paid for redemption from sin was very costly. It was not secured with silver, gold, or any other monetary means. Jesus Christ, the only begotten of Son of God, the Father, shed his precious blood on the cross for our sin. And his sacrifice was perfect. He had committed no sin. And only a perfect satisfy, uh, sacrifice would satisfy. And only God himself was worthy. And sin's debt was paid by Christ the Lord as he bled and as he died to atone for sin. We read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And then down in verse 14, it says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. So this is the purchase of our salvation. Next is the plan spoken of here for our salvation, the plan in verses 20 and 21. And we see God's plan for salvation. Notice, first of all, the ordination. It says in verse 20, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. And Peter speaks of Christ and the great sacrifice he made. Uh, this was not some haphazard event that just happened. Popular opinion had turned against Jesus, and the majority consented to his death, but that was not the reason he died. He died on the cross providing redemption for sin according to the foreordained plan of God before the world was ever created. Before Adam ever breathed life and fell in sin, God had a plan for redemption of mankind. The Godhood knew before he, they ever, ever created the, that uh, he ever created the world and all that uh, would inhabit it, that Jesus would come to die for sin. So there's the ordination. Secondly is the incarnation. In verse 20, it goes on to say, Who verily was ordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And not long before Peter penned these words, this plan was carried out. Christ came in the form of a man. He was manifest for the world to see. Uh, the Son of God laid aside the glories of heaven, veiled his deity in the robe of flesh, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial death for our redemption to fulfill the plan of God. And we're reminded that Christ came for us. He bore our sin, purchased our redemption. So you have the ordination, the incarnation, then you have the reception. In verse 21 it says, Who by him do believe in God? Peter emphasized that Christ is the way and the means of salvation. There is no other way of, of acceptance by God and re redemption of sin. Christ is not just a good way of salvation. He isn't even the best way of salvation. Christ is the only way of salvation. Peter affirms the exclusiveness of salvation in Christ alone. If one is to be received by God, he must receive Christ as Savior. There are no exceptions. 
Salvation is available in Christ alone. And that brings then fourthly to the expectation. Verse 21, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Here's the theme of hope once again. We're reminded that death on the cross was not the end for Jesus. He gave his life a ransom for sin, but he didn't stay dead. He was raised on the third day and glorified by God. He ascended back to the Father where he is seated, making, making intercession for us. And so our hope is not in one who lived a good life and died, but in one who purchased our redemption and death and rose triumphantly over sin and death. We serve the risen, living Christ. Peter also speaks of our faith and hope being in God. This refers to the assurance of the resurrection life in Christ. Here's a startling fact. The mortality rate for mankind is 100%. Did you know that? Now, we're hearing a lot about mortality rates these days the coronavirus, but there is a virus that's worse than the coronavirus, and that's the virus of sin. Everyone has it. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages, that is the result of sin, is death. Now, if the Lord doesn't return soon, we will eventually all go by the way of death. However, those who are in Christ, death is not eternal. Because he lives, we too shall enjoy eternal life in him. This body of flesh may be laid to rest in the dust of the earth, but at Christ's return, it will be resurrected. And all who are in Christ have this promise. What a blessed hope and expectation we have from the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4 16 and 17 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's a wonderful hope. Even when things look so dismal here on this earth at times. We might... Say, oh, well, I get this virus, I'm going to die. Well, I'm not wishing death on anybody. But if we die, we have the hope of eternal life. So we have the purchase of our salvation, we have the plan for our salvation, and then the proofs in our salvation. We see this in verses 22 and 23. And finally, Peter discusses the proofs of a transformed life in Christ. Those, first of all, the evidence. Verse 22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Clearly, this is not the only evidence, the only defining factor of a believer but it will be evident in the life of one who has been transformed and is living in light of Christ and his righteousness. 
You know, we're compelled to seek righteousness, to display love for those of like faith. Uh, we will be, it will be evident for the world to see there has been a change in our lives. And using these as a guide, I fear many may have made a profession, and yet they lack a genuine possession. You know, one cannot just live as you please, seeking to satisfy the flesh, and yet appear as the world and enjoy fellowship with Christ. We cannot love the Lord if we lack love for those around us. Our churches, I think, are filled with those who live like the world and show no love, have no compassion, no sympathy for others. We, have all, uh, we all have seasons of weakness and failures, yes, but these traits will be evident in those who are in Christ when we have love and compassion and sympathy for others. Not only the evidence, but we have the expression. The expression, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Again, Peter is emphasizing the importance of love. Love for others and a pure heart. We must live in such a way that others recognize these attributes in our lives. I would never advocate not sharing your faith, but if your life is where it should be, I don't think you'd really have to tell the world that you're a believer. I think we should be a, have a vocal witness, but if we're really living our faith, we shouldn't have to tell people that we're Christians. They should see it. They should experience it. Our love. Know that uh, we belong to the Lord. They would recognize our commitment. As the world grows darker, the need for Christian faith revealed in society increases. The world is seeking something that is genuine and sincere. And if we expect to reach the world for Christ, we must live our faith consistently before the world. And then thirdly, there's the excellence, the excellence. Verse 23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And we're reminded here of the excellence through our redemption that was purchased. Christ gave his best on the cross to redeem us. We must be willing to give our best in this life as we serve him. Christ secured eternal life for us, and surely we can give him our best in the life we have here on this earth. Now, to me, this is a very encouraging passage. Yes, it may be very basic about our salvation, but again, let me remind you, let's go back to that salvation that we have when we get discouraged or when we get troubled, when there's difficulty around us. Remember the wonderful salvation we have. It's filled with hope and wonder. There can be no doubt that we face a difficult journey, but we can overcome in Christ. You see, now is not a time to retreat from the struggles we face. Now is not a time to abandon the faith. Now is not a time to say, oh, well, I give up. No, don't give up. 
Thank God for the wonderful salvation. We've received much in Christ, and we must remain committed to him and the work we have been given. So these verses have dealt with the truths of the gospel. They've revealed the redemption of humanity through the sacrifice of Christ. He made a way for our salvation. And I trust everyone in the sound of my voice has received the salvation that is only in Christ. And I trust we're resting in his grace. We're living the life that he desires for us to live. And uh, I think we need to be challenged with that and encouraged with this passage of Scripture. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for these wonderful verses of Scripture given to us here in the first chapter of Peter. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have, the, the uh, wonder of the salvation that you've provided for us. Thank you, Lord, for all these things that you've done for us. And we pray that even as we continue on in the days in which we live now, that uh, people will see that we have hope. We have a wonder in our salvation. Bless this word to our hearts now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.